Chapter 4, Freak Out Worthy Acceptance. This chapter is based on Luke chapter 4, verse 38 through chapter 5, verse 11. I wish I could go back through time and hand deliver this book to all of the survivors I've known through the years. I'd write a personal apology in the front of each book. It would say, I'm sorry that I tried so hard to change you. I'm sorry I didn't accept you the way Jesus would have. I apologize for not seeing the beauty and awesomeness of your life. You forever impacted my life with your strength. I'm sorry I didn't value it more when we knew each other. See, as much as I rag on religious people throughout this book, a lot of my disgust is aimed at myself. I'm really good at what I call following Jesus from a distance. I like working on all the stuff we see on the surface. I like helping people get jobs, have better relationships, and better morals. While these are all important things to work on, they aren't the ultimate things. Fixing outward behaviors and circumstances doesn't get at the heart of our deepest needs. Jesus sees past those surface behaviors. He cares about the pain and mess in our souls. For most of my adult life, I was great at following Jesus from a distance. I liked everything Jesus was saying. I thought I believed it all. I cleaned up my life and it looked really good on the outside. I was doing a lot of great things. God was at work in my life, but I was still carrying shame around. I was still trying to feel worthy of being loved. I still wanted religious people to respect me. What I didn't understand then and I can barely grasp now is how completely Jesus accepts us and how completely none of us deserve his acceptance. I was so busy trying to clean everyone else up because it was a twisted way for me to also clean myself up. But Jesus never asked me to do that. He accepted me and all my unclean, messy messiness. Then he said, let's start sorting this out together. There was no measure of how clean I had to be in order to gain his acceptance. I just had to accept his acceptance. So I'm sorry if you are one of the people I heard along the way. I truly didn't understand how much Jesus accepted both of us as we were. I was keenly aware of how much we didn't deserve it, but missed the mark on how freely Jesus accepted us anyway. The disciple Simon Peter also followed Jesus from a distance for a while. His story starts right after the religious people from Jesus' hometown tried to throw him off of a cliff. Jesus shrugged off the experience and went to another town and began preaching and healing people which I think is pretty amazing considering how quickly I let an insult set me back. Jesus loved people more than I can comprehend, but he didn't need their approval. It's interesting how he wasn't ever stopped by their hate. In Luke 4 verses 31 through 37, we find that all the small towns around the area began talking about how awesome Jesus was. They were amazed at his teaching and all abuzz about the miracles he was doing which I'm guessing was a real burr in the butt of the people in his hometown. (laughs) Verse 31 tells us the people were amazed because his words had authority. This was a big deal because teachers in Israel didn't just say stuff the way we do. They had to cite their sources. They quoted and referenced important people to give authority to their words. Jesus had no need to do this. He just talked. 
he was fully God in the flesh and didn't need validation from other people. In Luke 4.38, the incredible story of Simon Peter begins. As you read his story, try to step back from overly romanticized versions of Peter with a holy glow about him. Imagine a real working class man with a lot of bravado living out the story. Luke tells us, after Jesus preached in the synagogue, he went to the home of a man named Simon, who later became known by the Greek name Peter. It was a confusing, complicated time for names. From now on, I will call him Peter. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, who was suffering from a high fever. She immediately got up and began waiting on their guest, which kudos to her, because I'd have still been milking the I was just on my deathbed thing. But probably instant healing from Jesus gives you a different perspective. So verse 40 tells us that evening, crowds of people came to Peter's house. Jesus stayed up all night healing the sick among them and casting out demons. Peter must have thought it was extremely cool to have this happening in his home. Hospitality was everything to people back then. Who you ate with and who you stayed with were your people. They were the people you identified with. It was a huge honor for a rabbi to be staying in the home of a working class man like Peter. Religious leaders strove to associate themselves with the most important people they could find. Jesus chose to stay with regular people like Peter. We don't know how long he stayed or how often, but Peter's home was a base for Jesus while he continued to preach in the area. As the story continues in chapter 5, we learn that Peter was a fisherman. Fishing was really hard work back in the ancient day. Boats were harder to navigate and equipment was bulkier. There were no fish finders, GPS navigation systems, boat motors, or elaborate gear setup thingies. Just nets, boats, and oars. They threw the nets out, let them sink, then pulled them up to see if they caught anything. It was grueling, repetitive work. One morning, Peter was cleaning his nets after fishing all night with nothing to show for his efforts. I'm sure he was in a rotten mood. All Peter wanted to do was go home and crash in his comfy bed and sleep until it was time to get up and do it again. As Peter was working and dreaming of rest, Jesus walked up with a crowd following him. He got into one of the boats and asked Peter to push out into the water so he could preach to the crowd. Peter showed his tremendous respect for Jesus by immediately doing what he asked. After Jesus finished preaching to the crowd, he told Peter to do something which was probably even harder for him to obey. Jesus said, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. In Luke 5 verse 5, we see that Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Then he said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I love that Peter puts a qualifier in there, because you say so. Peter was acknowledging how crazy it was to go fishing again during the day. He probably wanted everyone around to know it wasn't his idea to go back out again. This was Jesus. They'd seen him do some crazy stuff already. Still, Peter seemed to want everyone to know he thought it wouldn't work. So Peter and some of his fellow weary fishermen rowed far out into the deep water. They threw their nets out where Jesus told them to. Then they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They had to call the other boats to come help them. 
All the boats were so full of fish that they struggled to row back to shore. For ancient fishermen without sophisticated equipment, this was like winning the fishing lottery. They were astonished. Peter's reaction to the huge catch of fish is really strange. Luke 5 verses 8 and 11 say, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had. Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Wait, what? Why did Peter tell Jesus to go away? Think of all the things Peter had already seen from Jesus. He'd seen him heal tons of people, including his mother-in-law. He'd seen Jesus casting demons out of people, which seems like it would be way more awe-inspiring than telling someone where to catch fish. Peter had already heard Jesus preach. He obviously thought Jesus was a great teacher and a powerful man. Why did he react to this miracle with fear and asking Jesus to go away from him? Because of what this miracle meant. This miracle was specifically for Peter. Sure, it had been cool to see Jesus helping people and listening to him preach. Getting to serve him seemed special. It had been an honor to have a teacher like Jesus in his home and on his boat. Peter was serving Jesus, which made him feel special. But the miracle of the huge catch of fish, that was directly for Peter. That was Jesus serving Peter. Jesus looked into Peter's life and saw his need and cared about it. Before Jesus called Peter to be his disciple, he provided for Peter's family through a miraculous load of fish. God was showing Peter how much he cares about our needs. Peter dramatically fell in front of Jesus the way a peasant would fall in front of a king, in fear and recognition of how he knew he didn't deserve to be fully seen and fully cared for. Peter said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Any pride Peter had was thrown aside in this moment because there was no way for him to convince himself he deserved this miracle. This man, who seems to have so much bravado, fell on the ground in front of Jesus when he realized how much Jesus cares and saw a glimpse of his power. When we truly understand what Jesus has done for us, we should freak out the way Peter did. This truth of who Jesus is and how much he cares for us is the hardest thing in the world for humans to grasp. Somehow, our pride wants to make it more complicated. But in those moments when we see it, even just a little, we, like Peter, are filled with a sense of how undeserved God's love really is. It's a natural response to want to send Jesus away from our messy lives. Like Peter, I've often felt I didn't want Jesus anywhere near the mess I was making of my life. I knew I was a train wreck. I knew I deserved the junk in my life, and I knew I didn't deserve his care. I want it to follow Jesus. I want it to be associated with him. I want it to clean up my life so I could deserve good things. But Jesus saw past all of that and accepted me fully. He cared about my deepest needs, even as I followed from a distance. Gradually, I began to accept his love. You know how you can tell who gets this? Which people understand how little they deserve to be accepted by God? 
you can tell when you meet them because they are gracious in how they love and accept other people. They don't need to go around fixing everyone's problems so those cleaned up people can come to Jesus. People who have fallen at Jesus' knees and said, get away from me, I don't deserve your love, know that nothing we ever do can make us good enough for such undeserved grace. We simply accept it and give it to as many other people as possible. I'm truly sorry for all the times I didn't show this because I couldn't accept it myself. I pray that for the rest of my days, I will do a better job at representing Jesus. I pray for you also that you see how freak out worthy Jesus' acceptance of you is. He sees beneath the surface of your life and wants to walk with you anyway. He doesn't want you following from a distance. He wants to care about what is happening in your life right now. That thing you are thinking about that you wish you could hide from him, he knows about it. He wants to help you with it. If you don't find that scary, you aren't fully comprehending it. It is also the answer to your search for real peace. You are accepted as you are. Even with that thing you want to hide, you can find peace when you accept his acceptance of you, no matter what happens in your life, even if you get worse. And the crazier, awesomer, unfreaking believable thing is that Jesus wants to give you hope to actually get better and one day be free from the deepest hurt you're hiding. You and I don't deserve this hope, but he freely gives it anyway.